Welcome to Encore Nutrition, two peas in a podcast, a show that simplifies the overwhelming world of health and nutrition with evidence-based science. We're Elise and Lauren, your accredited practicing dietitians, empowering you with the knowledge and strategies to make real change today. And I'm Drew, here to make sure all your important questions are answered. In this week's episode, we'll find out how many carbs are enough and if coffee will cause problems during pregnancy. We'll also discuss why meat-free Monday should be part of your weekly routine and is collagen just a beauty regime. Let's kick it off with all things carbohydrates this week. Often in the news, often demonised, rarely celebrated. Let's get into it. I've had probably one too many low-carbers this week than I would have liked, Elise. Whole thing. I feel like I'm a broken record saying the same thing over and over, and here I am going to say it once more to you guys. Mm -hmm. So a question we get asked so often is, are carbohydrates making me gain weight? Do I need to cut carbs in order to achieve my weight loss goals? And our big, strong answer is no, you don't. You need to be smart about it, and we'll talk about that, but you don't need to cut carbs. So our bodies actually really need carbohydrates in order to function. Mm -hmm. So there are two cells groups within our body that rely solely on carbohydrates for fuel, and that's our red blood cells and our brain. So two pretty important cells need carbs for fuel. And if they don't have carbohydrates coming in from the food that we eat, they will actually break down our muscle stores to create glucose, or our fat stores to create ketones in order to fuel those two really important cells. And before this happens, the chemicals in our brain actually start craving and hunting for carbohydrates. So if you're in a state where your body's deprived of carbs, your brain chemistry will seek them out. And that's when you get those sugar cravings for a really quick hit of energy because you're brain and your red blood cells need it and your blood sugar levels too yeah so that's part of the reason why the ketogenic diet or the keto diet is really really hard because there are chemical drivers that make our bodies look for carbohydrates there are many many reasons why the ketogenic diet is difficult and and sometimes um you know unsustainable and not good for our long-term health necessarily um but one reason is the impact it has on our brain and our energy levels. And the good news is that, no, you don't have to cut out carbohydrates. And, Drew, I'm looking at you. I know you love bread. Yes. <laughs> toast, more toast. specifically. <laughs> yeah. Carbohydrates are a really important element of our food supply. Mm-hmm. And, look, there's so many foods that are rich sources of carbohydrates. We think of bread. We think of rice, pasta, mm. grains. Mm. But it's also found in fruits, starchy veggies, legumes, so those uh, lentils, chickpeas, kidney beans that we talk about all the time. It's found in dairy products, nuts, seeds, as well as the kind of sugary foods that we think of. So processed foods like cakes, biscuits, lollies, soft drinks. And some carbohydrates are different to others. So they're not all equal. Alone, many of our sort of starchy carbohydrates Uh, don't offer all that much in the way of nutrition aside from energy and carbs. So they're the ones you kind of think of as a bit of a vehicle. So vehicle for the good stuff. So rice, bread, um, grains, pasta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chocolate. 
<laughs> well, chocolate, I, I no. chocolate argue that that's the good stuff. Episode five. Episode five. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I'm being, five. I'm being funny. Keep going. <laughs> yep. So there are other carbohydrate sources that are far more valuable because they've got a whole host of other vitamins and minerals and nutrients in them. So, uh-huh. for example, where rice might give you carbs, energy, and a few vague vitamins and minerals, nothing mm-hmm. profound. A legume, so a lentil or chickpea, gives you carbs, mm-hmm. protein, and fiber, including those prebiotic fibers that fuel our gut bacteria. Yes. Checking our back catalog, we talked all about um, prebiotics, probiotics, and how to replace rice. I think yeah. you got right. Yes. Yep, we Good. sure did. Okay. Um, similarly, sweet potato, for example, mm. provides carbs, yes, but mm. also vitamin A and also fiber. Your dairy products give you carbohydrates, yes, but also calcium and protein. Um, and fruits are another example. They give you carbs, but also vitamins, minerals, including those important antioxidants that we talk about quite often. And again, fiber for our gut health. So what's really key is that we choose the carbohydrates that are going to serve us well from a holistic sense. Um, the glycemic index is another important factor to consider when thinking about carbs. Um, So you might have heard the terms high GI and Mm. low GI before, Mm -hmm. yeah? And what that is, is a measure of how quickly a carbohydrate food is broken down and absorbed into our bloodstream. So certain foods are high GI and they're broken down quickly and absorbed quickly and they send a spike in our blood sugar levels Mm -hmm. and then a drop in our blood sugar levels. Right, a roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. Whereas low GI carbs Mm. provide a more sustained release, so they keep you feeling fuller, satisfied, and energized for longer. So that kind of 3 p.m. slump that you often feel will come after a really high GI carb-loaded meal. Mm. You'll get that rebound low blood sugar level that can make you feel really flat. Mm -hmm. And that's the vulnerable point where your brain is going to be searching for the next hit of carbs. And usually will be <clears throat> refined or processed carbohydrates. Yeah. yeah, to shoot it back up again. Yeah. So I prescribed to the if it fits your macros diet for a long time mm. and break things down into, you know, you should I should be eating 300 grams of carbohydrates. Yeah. But it's very nondescript. It's just like just have that many carbs. Yeah. You know, and mm. if you're in the gym, it just tends to be rice or pasta or whatever it might mm. be. And look, yeah. with if it fits your macros, part of the reason I don't love it is because, look, people can put – a donut, a muffin, mm. things in there every day if they want to to make it fit their macros. Look, yeah. You can really make anything fit your macros and yes. often people do this with really poor quality foods mm. um, and then they promote that they're still, you know, shredded or ripped. Um, whereas what we know is that if you're fueling your body with whole foods, um, mm. with nutritious foods, with lots of fibre and proteins, that's going to be far better than fitting pizza and donuts into your macros every day. So how many carbs should I eat though? Because I, I've i always, uh, if I eat too many carbs, I just stack on weight. Mm. So I, I tried being vegetarian this week and I put on no joke, two kilos. <laughs> and look, that. a lot of that yeah. drew is likely to be fluid weight. I uh, know, that's what you're telling myself. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah. <laughs> the storage of carbohydrates is often is in the liver. Yeah, right. Well, it's it's glycogen, but yeah. along with along with it comes a, a host of water. So sure. for every yeah. kind of gram of carbohydrates, we might 
store about two, two to three mils of, of water. water. Right. Which is heavy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And low-carb diets, you often lose weight quite quickly because you lose that water storage. The water weight. Yeah. Right. Where it where it's, can be really motivating for mm. people is that they think that they're losing bam. fat mass where yeah. actually they're just losing water. It was like three kilos in the first week, yeah. bam, it's all water it's, weight. It's, okay. it's all water. That's certainly not fat mass. Okay. Yeah. But, but what should I, how much should I, how do we know? You know what I mean? Yeah, like so a recommended yeah. range of energy from mm. carbohydrate is often what's useful. So depending on your energy or caloric needs per day, a rough guide is somewhere between 40 to anywhere up to 60% of your energy comes from that mm. of carbohydrates, which means that a portion of it comes from fat and from protein. Mm. And look, I know we say this every time, but it does differ from each individual. If you're mm. somebody that you know, has a predisposition to insulin resistance, well, then maybe your carbohydrate needs would be lower. And then again, the sorts of carbohydrates that you need need to be quite calculated and precise. Mm. Whereas if you don't have any of those genetic predispositions, you can potentially have more carbohydrates. So, again, it will vary mm. um, on your age, on your gender, your muscle mass, exercise. You know, exercise. Yeah. Mm. But glycemic index is really important because mm. not only does it prevent that roller coaster of high in blood sugar levels, when you are in that state of a hyperglycemia or a high blood sugar level, your body releases under normal circumstances, insulin, mm. which is a hormone that helps us deal with the sugar. So move it to where we can either use it or store it. Right. And when our insulin levels are elevated, particularly over long periods of time, it can elevate our systemic inflammation. Mm-hmm. So our whole body inflammation that can predispose us to chronic disease risk. So risk of certain type of cancers, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes. The other interesting thing when it comes to that insulin response is that when our insulin levels are elevated, our body turns down its fat-burning pathways. Right. Because it knows there's heaps of sugar up for grabs for energy, it says, I'm not going to bother burning my fat stores. Right. So we want to avoid those roller coaster high lows. And that's where the glycemic index is really key. And Elise and I have put together a guide um, that's available on our website. So mm-hmm. feel free to jump to our on-course store um, and get your hands on that comprehensive guide. It's got a full shopping list in there to give you some smart swaps of how you can really easily change from a high glycemic index and mm-hmm. glycemic load day to a low one, which is far better for your energy levels, for your health Profile, mm. disease um, risk. Yeah, but also your ability to lose weight as fat. And so, okay, so I'm on low GI, mm. but is there, you know, because it does differ from person to person, yeah. is there something that I can be doing or uh, some kind of sign that says I'm eating enough carbs or not enough carbs or is it just... Yeah, often yeah. it will be related to your energy levels. Okay. And right. if, you're, if you're someone who's moderating or limiting your carbohydrates, particularly early in the day, mm. if you're getting to afternoon or evening and you're raging looking for carbs, that's a sign it's that a you've sign. underdone it right. earlier in the day. So if, if you're craving carbs, it's your body saying you need more carbohydrates. Quite often it is. Yep. And it's okay. a chemical change in the brain. It's right. very real. Yeah, that happened to me on Tuesday. I, I almost fainted. I ran out of carbohydrates. Oh I had to go buy a banana. It was oh, crazy. Did it yeah. help? Yeah. Yeah. Reasonably quickly? Yeah, I thought I was going to flu. I just needed a banana. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> quickly. Yeah. That's yeah, simple. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> and I actually mm. read a really interesting study recently looking at the ketogenic diet, mm. which is a very high fat, very low carb diet um, and 
importantly moderate in protein, which is something that's often not done so well no, in the community because right. that too can much throw things. Yeah, yeah. If you've got too much protein, it's converted you create to it to carbs anyway. And mm. a lot of people don't understand that and mm. think they're doing it and potentially they're not. Um, but one assessment of the ketogenic diet estimated that in order to achieve all of the essential vitamins and minerals that we need per day, you need to consume 37,500 kilocalories per day. That's huge. Which is, if you work in kilojoules, which I do, 158,000 kilojoules. Some serious bulking. That's like 20 days worth of food. It's probably 25 days worth of food for me because I'm so small. Maybe 15. (laughs) (laughs) But it does also show how nutrient poor the ketogenic diet is yeah well how think challenging about, it is yeah, to meet foods, your requirements mm. legumes fruits starchy veggies or really rich sources of vitamins minerals dairy you're missing out on so many by cutting them out mm. but you can see why it does get the fat loss from what you're saying right so it, it does hit that result but well, at it what hits cost? The, the weight yeah. loss yeah. i think is more accurate yeah, 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 because yeah. you lose water weight, water weight. especially okay. immediately and what's important right. to note drew is it does hit those weight loss goals in the short term, mm-hmm, but, but what's it doing in the long that's term? Right. Again, those sort of low carbohydrate ketogenic type diets are really hard to be compliant with. Mm. Um, it's they're really really hard. So if the, if it's, I think when it comes to dieting or eating in a certain way, you want to do something that you can maintain long term. If you can't maintain something long term, it's not going to serve you or your goals. Mm, that's a good point. And it's not even a little short-term quick trigger because Mm. more often than not, you'll not only regain the weight, but you Mm. put on more. And so that can actually set you back further from where you started originally. That's what the stock market is. It's always slowly going up with these giant crazy dips and ups and downs. And interestingly, Lisa, that you mentioned about the compliance being so hard and, and that's compliance when, you know, the, the balance is there, particularly with the protein. But interestingly, the ketogenic diet has, therapeutic use in particular in intractable epilepsy. Yeah, that's right. In in epilepsy Mm. where there's no response or poor response to medication, Mm. the ketogenic diet has really uh, reasonable therapeutic use, but it's really poorly complied to. Yeah, even for people that really need it as a medical therapy. To avoid seizures and and children who don't have – you know, the the same emotional reaction to food that a lot of adults do, they still can't do it. Yes, what is it? It's the um, average diet you stick to for a year, not the perfect diet you stick to for four weeks. Yes. Consistency is key. Okay. But carb lovers rejoice. Um, Don't need to cut them out. It's just really key to be smart about the ones you choose. So I encourage you all to jump on and have a look at our guide. Yeah, and a lot of this is just, um, you know, vegetables right so it's whole foods and it's reinforcing what you already know but um i guess also reinforcing not to be consumed by that alarmist nature that often um, is put out there be skeptical a lot of this stuff is annoyingly boring it's like yep eat eat my potatoes (laughs) (laughs) can't you just tell me to put butter in my coffee or something weird because i'll do it can't just take this pill come on come on Uh, Now, on Monday, I saw a really amazing documentary called The Game Changer, and um, uh, we'll talk about it in maybe another episode, but I've been trying to go um, vegetarian as a result, Mm -hmm. 
um, so Meat Free Monday um, is a really great segue into mm. thinking more mm. about, you know, how can I balance my diet? And we, we did an episode a little while ago on um, how many grams of cooked meat should you eat in a week? I think mm. it's 500 grams from memory, something like that. Well done. Pay attention. Uh, pay attention. Take my notes. Um, but Elise, you were talking through uh, what a Meat Free Monday and how to upgrade your health. Um, so I love a meat free Monday because what I think it does is it actually encourages people to eat uh, a lot more fish, poultry, and also plant-based proteins. Uh, and as we know that there's a lot of evidence that actually supports uh, consuming a plant-based diet. So we know that people who eat a number of different whole plant-based foods have a lower BMI and it's also protective against a lot of different chronic diseases. So uh, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, etc. So why I love Meat Free Mondays is because you don't need to ditch red meat altogether. It's just about reducing your consumption uh, and also having a variety of other foods that you might not necessarily have had. So there's a lot to say for swapping out a steak or some lamb for, you know, some lentils um, or some chickpea pasta. I know Loz was cooking with that today for our lunches mm-hmm. it's really good the pulse pasta i'm not such a fan of but chickpea in particular mm-hmm. beautiful give it a try and what i discovered through trying to adhere to this meat free mondays is some really um, delicious edamame pasta as mm. well with mm-hmm. that i added nice. a lentil bolognese to so again it's also um for me increased my repertoire and my um yeah. you know cooking Variety. skills um adding in some new recipes and new foods that you know i wouldn't wouldn't normally include. When you say meat too, you're saying red meat too, right? So, yeah, so, so fish and chicken is on the cards here. Well, everyone's a little yeah. bit different. Right. So I certainly go vegetarian, right. meat, meat-free Monday, so vegetarian Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually recently I've upgraded that to one meal a day. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so where – and it's a concept that's come from um, a really health-promoting group in the States, but – they encourage a one meal a day that you go plant-based. Mm-hmm. So it yep. doesn't matter what you eat for breakfast or for dinner, as long as your lunch is plant-based. Yep. Um, but I'm kind of doing two meals a day. Yep. So breakfast, lunch, I try and keep vegetarian or plant-based. And dinner, I certainly include meat, chicken, fish, poultry. Yep. Um, but that's just my personal preference. Yeah. And really, it's an experiment that mm-hmm. I'm doing at the moment. And if you actually do look at the website for Meat Free Monday, and I mean, this is only within Australia, it does say that you can include fish and poultry. So yeah, again, it, it's starting just, point. Um, it yeah. depends. Um, it, yeah, it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. The World Cancer Research Fund has... Um, put out a set of guidelines um, for cancer prevention, which is really useful if you do want to go and have a look. And what the recommendation is, is to have less than 500 grams of red meat per week. Mm -hmm. So we know that having above that threshold increases your risk of developing bowel cancer substantially. That's right. I, I can't remember which episode we did a whole segment on um, less than 500 grams of red meat uh, a day. Yeah, we week, did. A yep. week, yep. a week, not a day, a week. <laughs> uh, yes, was it a day? No, per week. That's right, per week. Yes, per week. So when I think about um, what this can bring, it's often – it. I've kind of reprocessed it as um, an opportunity to try new foods yeah. as potentially like, oh, I've got to really have a crappy Monday now. Uh, also, as something that I saw in a lot of shopping centers now is, um, is it Beyond the Beyond Burger or whatever it is? It's like a, it looks and tastes like a meat patty. Yeah. But Vegetable it's not. Patties, but it's yeah. not. It's like, a, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's you know. Yeah. So, there's yeah. a lot of meat alternatives mm. that are based on um, soy, fungi, sometimes mm. soy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of them better than others. Mm-hmm. So 
in some cases they're quite heavily processed and have mm. lots of, of additives. additives in order to make them taste meat-like, yeah, yep, um, yep. which is not necessarily a great thing. Right. Um, we're probably strong advocates for swapping it out for another whole food. Got it. So eating things that um, – look like they do in nature, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, so if, you, if your yeah. sausage is made of, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you know, soy or something sure. foreign, you know, yeah, there's kind of probably merit in having the tofu as opposed to it smudged into a sausage form yeah. with random other additives to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but look at the ingredients <clears throat> list because they're all quite different. Yes. Um, and don't be fooled by if it says organic on the packet because I've seen some yeah. organic meat alternatives that have a whole heap of artificial crap put in there essentially. So have a look at the back and the more ingredients that are on the mm. nutrition information panel, um, maybe stay stay away from or look for an alternative. Yeah, long list is a bit of a warning sign. Um, yep. Similar to when we were talking about butter last That's episode, right. it's yeah, a short yeah. list. If you had a tin or a bag of chickpeas it's one ingredient so that compared to a um a meat free patty yeah that'll be very different hard to know yeah, yeah. all right uh but a great little uh thing to do definitely yeah. four, definitely highly recommend it and yeah. also try yeah. um try some new recipes um as we certainly have some on our website if you're interested mm. um be adventurous and um have a look down the aisles of the supermarket for any sort of products that you might not have tried that um you know you might want to include on your meat free mondays usually the biggest challenge with this is i don't know how to cook that i can't be bothered right now so mm. i think your recommendation of swapping an existing meal and swapping out one of those ingredients is really yeah. powerful yeah, yeah. and a really yeah. good start and similar you know meat free monday is is red meat but mm. you might might take it that next step and make it vegetarian. Just right. see what it feels like. Yeah. For a What's day. important to note as well that, that red meat includes um, beef, lamb, pork as well. A lot of people don't realise that pork is actually considered a red meat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which includes all the things that come from pork. So, yeah, all your bacon, salamis, hams, etc. Probably a conversation for another episode, the processed meats. Yes, yes, we should get into that. Absolutely. Uh, But until then, uh, I love coffee. Melbourne loves coffee. Um, Mm. Lauren, talk to us about can I drink coffee when I'm pregnant? Yeah, well, look, I'm Mm. very fortunate to have some beautiful friends who are going through pregnancy at the moment, which is so exciting. Um, But keep hearing the old wives tale that that I can't drink coffee when I'm pregnant. Um, And certainly that is false, but it is important that you exercise caution. So my friends were very happy when I said that, yes, you can drink coffee when you're pregnant, but we need to be careful about how much. So we know from the research and the literature that an intake of over 200 to 300 milligrams of caffeine per day can unfortunately increase the risk of miscarriage and low birth weight. So really important that we are careful about how much caffeine we take in per day. And so a lot of people would opt for decaf, which is really safe because for a um, cup of decaf coffee, it's only got about three milligrams of caffeine. So it's really small and really hard to overdo. Um, But when it comes to espresso shots and lattes, cappuccinos, but also instant coffee, and and other sources, you do need to be careful about how they add up. So a teaspoon of instant coffee has got about 60 milligrams of caffeine in it. An espresso shot from the coffee shop has about 90 milligrams, but could be anywhere up to 200, depending on the strength. 
coffee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, got to be careful there. Energy drinks, interestingly, so um, they have up to about 110 milligrams per serve. So a really hefty dose there compared to a Coca-Cola or cola-based drink, 40 milligrams per serve. And you can't forget tea, coffee, uh, sorry, tea and green tea either mm. because black mm-hmm. tea's got about 50 milligrams per serve and green tea about 30. Which you don't think of normally. Yeah, and when you've got a limit of 200, if you're a really, you know, big tea drinker, it's, it's easy to drink four cups of tea <coughs> a easy. day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, chocolate's also a reasonable source. So 60 grams of milk or dark chocolate has about 30 to 40 milligrams of so, caffeine in it. So two cups of coffee with a couple of bits of chocolate on the side. Yeah. Suddenly, yeah, you're right up there. Absolutely, yeah. And certainly we'd encourage if you were getting bought coffee, so a cappuccino, a latte or flat white from a, a brewed coffee from a shop, mm. um, just have one because that, yeah, that might be up to 200 milligrams of caffeine. Yeah, and sometimes uh, I know the coffee shops around me, they are just putting two shots in a regular coffee now. Mm. But it's like our regular is two, so an extra right. one is three. I'm like, oh, because I, I always ask for a strong latte. I'm like, oh, our regular latte has got two. Do you show you one, three shots? So, yeah. What do you say? <laughs> yes. You can handle it. Yeah. I'd be a jittery mess. Yeah, yeah. Dep- yeah, it depends on the day, but uh, usually two shots is my go-to. Okay. Yes. And look, some people, who, when they're going through pregnancy, they actually report that they no longer have a taste for coffee. Right. So cha- ri- rising levels of HCG, a hormone that we get when we're pregnant, can... Uh, be linked to taste changes and aversions to certain foods. And coffee's sometimes one thing that uh, kind of falls off the priority list. But it might be replaced with chocolate or it might be replaced with tea. It might be replaced with Coca-Cola or something like that. Yeah, that's right. So you've still got to be careful about how they add up. So set your limit at 200 to 300 milligrams of caffeine per day and check out our show notes for um, detail as to how much is in each of our drinks and foods. So let's go on with our question of the week. Um, I think uh, here we go. Hey guys, I'm Martin from Melbourne. I'm a bit of a runner and into footy and I've had a few niggling tendon injuries and a few people have recommended I take collagen. Uh, Keen to get your thoughts on if it'll help and how much I need. I also hear it's good for skin and anti-aging. Thanks, Martin. What a great question. Uh, you see this a lot in um, women's beauty products. Mm. It's all about collagen, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's uh, it's selling hot off the shelves at the moment. Yep. Always in really beautiful packaging, may mm. I say, mm. Mm. which can be very, very misleading. But it's the first time I've heard it because it's usually like, you know, rub it on your face yeah. or whatever. <laughs> this is the first time I say, you know, take a supplement. Is This is where the question's coming from. It's interesting. Who wants to kick off? Sorry, I can kick off, Drew. Okay. So, um, collagen is is essentially just a protein. So, it's nothing fancy. People uh, and the media like to uh, publicise it as something really fancy, but essentially it's just a protein. And it's the main component of various tissues in our body. And it is essentially the substance that really holds the whole body together. Okay? So, it's primarily in fibrous tissues, such as tendons and skin, um, and represents at least 30% of our whole body's protein. So very widely available in our body. I have a fun fact. Go. Do you know that the word collagen comes from the Greek word kola, which means glue? Ah, So quite literally is the glue that holds our body together. There you go. I think right. it's a fun fact. That is that's a fun a good, fact. That, that, is, that is one right <laughs> you don't through. Have to agree. No, that, that, is a, that is a trivia night wonder, Science. that one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, trivia night one. for sure. Yeah. 
So collagen um, contains 19 different amino acids. Um, and, but what's important to note is that our body can't absorb collagen in whole form. Okay, so it needs to be um, broken down by the digestive process to actually be absorbed and right. used in our body. So in a lot of the products, what I've noticed is they've actually got whole collagen in the actual supplements, whereas we absorb hydrolyzed collagen a lot better. Which mm. might be labelled as collagen peptides. Oh. So it's really important. A friend of mine was actually showing me a um, <clears throat> collagen product that she wanted to purchase and it was just the whole form of collagen. It was decked out in really fancy and nice packaging, so it looked really appealing and had mm. lots of different health claims, but the absorption of that particular product would be very poor. So Martin was interested in his tendons and ligaments. And look, I can speak from experience here because recently I've had a tendon issue myself and frantically did a deep dive into the science to see if there was anything that could help me. And look, collagen uh, is something that has a little bit of scientific literature to back it up when it comes to cartilage and tendon related issues. Um, And it makes sense because it's the glue. If we have more collagen, we've got more strength in our Uh, tendons and joints and as we age the cartilage in our joints weakens and deteriorates and so it becomes prone to stiffness aches and pains as well as more serious tendon issues and osteoarthritis so collagen is really important for maintaining the integrity of our cartilage and there is some evidence to support that that hydrolyzed collagen that Elise was talking about can help to reduce that joint damage and the associated pain So where um, small doses have been found to be helpful in other areas of our more aesthetic appearance, Mm -hmm. um, we actually need higher doses if we're wanting a therapeutic impact on our tendons. So we need about 8 to 12 grams per day for joint and tendon pain and repair, which is quite a decent Mm -hmm. dose when it comes to those hydrolyzed or um, collagen peptides. And you have to have quite a lot of it, which being actually a source of energy or calories can add up as well. So Mm. you want to weigh up your weight management versus your um, collagen intake and your Mm -hmm. tendon repair. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you do have an injury, Martin, I'd encourage you to chat with your physician around what sort of therapy you're having for your tendon issue at the moment. but do look into or do discuss with them if a dose of 8 to 12 grams of collagen per day would be helpful for you. Um, so with regard to Martin's other uh, section of the, the question um, regarding the signs of ageing, the good news is that the science does back it up. So taking a collagen supplement can actually help to improve um, our skin's elasticity. What's important to note is that we do need to be, if you are supplementing, that the product needs to have um, at least 2.5 to 5 grams of collagen in it to be useful. So if we have anything below that therapeutic level, Mm. it's not going to be overly useful. And so how does that work with, you know, I, I know it's important for joints and helps to kind of keep things strong there, but how does it work from a skin and anti-aging side of things? Yep. So collagen production declines as we age um, and as we age that can help, uh, well, that can develop fine lines and also loose or dry skin. So it makes sense that a collagen supplement could help. Uh, okay. So things that. kind of 
tend to go south mm-hmm. as we age and the Gravity's collagen right. keeps it yep. um, firm and perky, elastic. elastic. Yeah, okay. Yep. okay. So, 2 to five, 2.5 to 5 grams a day for your skin, mm-hmm. um, but more like 8 to 12 grams per day for tendons and joints. And can I get this without supplementing? Are there foods and things I can be eating? Yeah, absolutely. Protein. Mm. Protein? Yeah. Is it, so. is it like bone broth soups and things? Is that a like, you know, fur? Is it an option or is there? Um, so, yeah. Bone so broth? bone broth is a, a reasonable source. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get as much of it, much collagen from it as you think. Ah. Um, certainly make your own. Put it in your soups and stews. Not um, bad but for you. it's certainly, yeah, it's certainly you could cook your grains in it, that type of thing. But to get a therapeutic dose, if you've got an actual ailment, mm. um, bone broth might not really provide that mm. level for you. Okay. So outside just meat, is there anything that I could be thinking about there? Another decent or? source is gelatin. Right. Okay. Um, so yep. you can get powdered gelatin and... Mm-hmm. Actually, my sister-in-law, I hope she's listening, mm. she used to make these amazing gelatin kind of lollies. Mm. And I say lollies lightly, but it was like a, a high-protein, fruit-based lolly equivalent. So she'd get gelatin and she put things like coconut and fresh berries and stuff in it, and they were absolutely delicious. So it was a high-protein, high-collagen, fruit-based lolly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were awesome. Um, yep. So that could be a way that you could up your intake slightly right. too. Okay. Great. And I think uh, that brings this week's show to a close. Any closing comments? And obviously, thank you very much for your question, Martin. Please keep them coming in. Anything we want to wrap up on? Any summary points for the audience? So you don't have to cut carbs. Mm-hmm. It's just important to make some swat, smart swaps. Mm-hmm. So go for low GI options and where possible. And you don't have to cut anything, but small steps in the right direction, be it your meat-free Monday, be it Swapping to a low GI carb or cutting down your caffeine if you're pregnant can make a huge difference to mm. your short term, but also long term health. Yeah, I think the moral of today's show for me is just baby steps. You know, yeah. start don't have to be, do big, huge material change in your life. You can just do it a day at a time. Yeah. Definitely, and that's where we know the change comes. And really important to celebrate those small steps because mm. that's what's leading you to the future. Because if your goal, your, your mind is focused on that huge goal, that's a long way away. What a great note to end on. Uh, until next week's show, we're looking forward to um, another week of uh, all of the fads mystified and the <laughs> food and health advice from the two of you. And um, if you have any questions or you have any follow-up on this week's show, this clear show notes, there's a place where you can answer, ask questions of the two of you. So look forward to it. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening in and we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you drop by and say hi on the Encore Nutrition website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Encore Nutrition. We absolutely want to hear from you and encourage everyone to join in on the conversation. Now, it's important to say that while Lauren and Elise are very knowledgeable on the world of diet and nutrition, we always encourage you to speak with your medical expert to assure that the advice is right for you. And we'll be back next week to break down all things food, diet, nutrition, and lifestyle from Elise and Lauren and me here just to make sure it all makes sense.